the Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Hey guys, you are going to love today's episode. It's the first in our family series, and today we're going to be talking about siblings. I first met Stephanie Alarcon about 10 years ago when she was our daughter's respite caregiver, and from there we got to meet her husband, Joey. Joey is the youngest brother to Chris, who has a diagnosis of Down syndrome. Joey and Stephanie have been married for eight years, and they have a two-year-old son, and at the time of the recording, a little girl on the way. Both Stephanie and Joey are special ed teachers with four combined credentials and a master's degree in education. Joey teaches adaptive PE in the San Diego Unified School District, and Stephanie's currently taking a break from teaching special ed to focus on raising their little ones. So they have a unique perspective that I think you guys will enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hey, Stephanie and Joey, we are so excited you guys are here today. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. You bet. So we've known you quite a while, but uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your story? Sure. Um, So Joey and I met in middle school, um, and we went to the same middle school and high school and kind of circled around the same friend groups um, with is called Student Venture then, but Campus Crusade. Um, And we were both kind of like unbeknownst to each other. We were involved in Best Buddies and I did Easter Seals. um, And Joey was involved with Special Olympics. Um, And then we started dating after we had graduated from high school, uh, the summer between our freshman and sophomore years in college. Um, and I was up north and Joe was down south. And so um, we had a three year long distance relationship of me coming home during the summers and all the breaks and spending time with, with Joey and family. Um, and one of our first dates was taking Joey's brother, um, Chris, who has Down syndrome to Special Olympics um, and just getting to be in that space with him. And that's, I think, where we really knew that this was it with each other, just getting to see um, how we interacted with um, everyone at Special Olympics and all of Chris's friends. You'll you'll hear us call Chris Bobo. He's, he's Bobo to us and Uncle Bobo. Um, but just how, um, just how special Bobo is in their relation, Joey and Chris's relationship, um, it was just something that really made me fall in love with Joey. And and Steph and I both went into special education. So mm-hmm. she was the teacher for about six years in public schools. Um, I'm still an adapted physical education teacher in San Diego Unified and still very involved with my brother and the um, special needs community. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been married for almost nine years now. We have a two-year-old son, Isaac, and a little girl coming on the way next month. Yay! So excited <laughs> so for exciting. you guys. So, Joey, what were those early years like as a sibling, you know, when you were growing up? Yeah, so Chris is nine years older than I am. He's the oldest of four of us. And so it's interesting because because of his some of his 
delays, um, we were actually more like peers um, to a certain extent. Um, we were kind of like side by side in a lot of different areas. He was physically much bigger and stronger. So we always looked up to him in, in sports and in those kind of things. Um, we were really busy as kids. Uh, my parents kept us involved in a lot of different things. So um, <clears throat> we were all playing sports. We played music together. We were outside all day, involved in church. We had animals on our property that we uh, took care of. Um, so it was kind of a whirlwind, um, but I was often the one costing the whirlwind. So <laughs> <laughs> it was really, a, really a good, uh, fun, fun upbringing. We, we were all very close and, and still are today. You know, one of the things hearing your story, um, your parents just seemed like they were completely intentional in what they did, uh, specifically to make you feel loved and cared for. And maybe you could share some of that uh, with our audience. Yeah, definitely. So when Chris was born at that time, because he's almost 40 now, uh, Down syndrome was called Mongolism. And he was told that he should be institutionalized when he was born. And so my parents um, made a decision right at that moment that they were just going to raise him like any other kid. And so I think that was a part of it is I wasn't really aware of the, of the real tangible differences between my brother and I. Um, we kind of just grew up and we're all treated the same to some extent. Um, Chris was held to a really high standard. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes I didn't understand that. And as I got older, it, it kind of, I would even sometimes, you know, think, man, are, are, are they picking on him? Are they being mean? But I would realize, no, they were, they were giving him skills and challenging him so that he can do things today, like work a job and, and be independent to some extent. Um, so that was one thing is just kind of feeling like we were all in the same boat. Um, my parents were really involved, um, always, you know, took us to our sports games and we just spent a lot of intentional time, um, as a family. And so that was, that was definitely important. I, I felt like there wasn't much wasted time, um, with our family. So, um, I think your parents in that intentionality with them, like your house was the hub for everything. Like mm -hmm. all of your friends were coming over to the house Chris was always involved in everything. Um, and I was talking to your mom this morning about just like, you know, are there things that, that you even like thought about doing? And she's like, we just kind of, we just kind of did it, you know? And she's like, family means everything and family takes care of family. And that is, that was just what they instilled in the kids from like the youngest age of like, they they were in charge. They were each other's keepers, you know, like they protected each other when they were playing outside for three hours, you know, six hours at a time. And, um, and it was their job to look out for each other. And that just continued on, you know, to now, of course, but, um, but that was just something that was very, very important, um, to them. And your parents modeled that too, <laughs> taking care of their aging parents and having them in, the home with them. And, you know, and it was, that was the very real part of your upbringing, you know, taking care of your grandpa at home mm -hmm. and, you know, all those things. And Chris had a, had a role in that in caretaking. And it wasn't just everyone catering to, you know, the child with special needs. It's one thing they modeled that I really respect looking back is they all, they never, they never acted like Chris was a burden. Mm -hmm. Um, even when there were challenging times or, or 
are us for that matter, you know, all the, all the sports games that they went to the times they sat in the stands at wrestling matches and baseball games. And um, there was never any sense that they had to do it or were, you know, grumbling while they did it. And so that kind of attitude and outlook that they presented made me view, made me view my brother in that light too. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's never felt like a burden or um, anything like that to me. We did have some very typical kind of sibling rivalries and things like that more so on his end, actually um, he initially viewed me as the annoying little brother um, <laughs> cause he was kind of big. And so we liked to, you know, poke him a little bit and <laughs> kind of, te- you know, tease him a little or, and you're right. Also just having the home open was really important. Mm-hmm. There's always like that sense of like an open door, people coming in and my mom was always cooking and kind of, kind of a mom to everyone. It's just fantastic. It sounds like your parents just created a, an inclusive environment. Do you have anything to share maybe with that, uh, with church and how your brother was received or anything in, in that nature too? Was that kind of an inclusive thing? And how did the church receive that? Yeah, definitely. Um, he always had a kind of a job to do. And so um, he was an usher for a certain period of time and and got to know a group of men that would hand out communion or things like that. In his Sunday school class, he would bring his trumpet and he would play trumpet um, for some of the kids and the staff. And so he definitely had an an active role in each of those environments. And the church was great with really loving on him and giving him those opportunities. And I'm sure it was something that your mom may have pushed for in the beginning because Mm -hmm. that didn't exist. Because even when he started kindergarten, you know, they wanted to have him in his own separate classroom. And Joey's mom said, no, I'll, I'll come and I'll do school with him if that's what it takes for him to be with the other kids. And so, you know, they just, they made that happen. And I think she had a, had a baby with her while, you know, while doing that. Um, but I'm sure she did that in, in the church space as well, just mm-hmm. pushing for that inclusion. Yeah. I think those groups were really important for Chris mm-hmm. it really to this day has kind of shaped some of his identity in, in sports growing up, he always had, you know, a place on the team, even if he wasn't competing, he still felt a part of something, Mm -hmm. um, and took pride in that. Um, he played trumpet in the band since elementary school and that went on into high school. And, you know, some people handle it differently. Like he had, he had teachers and, and adults that weren't super understanding of that, you know, and would kind of try to exclude him or say, you know, you can play in the band, but you can't step on the football field during the the home game or things like that. And, you know, we just kind of rolled with those punches because I don't think we were going to change anyone's mind. And we just kind of, you know, got more with honey, kind of navigating those more challenging people. And, um, and also just understood that uh, as long as Chris is enjoying it and and with other people, then that's a win. So um, he still looks back and talks all the time about the people on the football team that he was friends with or the wrestling team. And, and th- that was huge. Uh, Special Olympics was a organization he was involved in and still is. So um, th- all those groups were really helpful, I think, in just kind of making sure he had uh, a, a home. That's amazing. I love that advice about sort of sweetening the situation and, mm-hmm. and not feeling like you have to really fight but rather just living life and just doing it authentically and just moving forward and not worrying about the naysayers. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty obvious that those teen years, I mean, that's kind of the picture that you had there, that your family was just such a big component in that. Did you ever have any situations in those teen years though, that were uh, where you did feel like you maybe had to fight for your brother or, you know, you had to fight the system, that kind of thing, or just within yourself, you know, maybe struggled a little bit with embarrassment or anything. Teen years were challenging for me, just in general, just uh, kind of going off, off the rails and, and, um, partying and things like that. And so, but my relationship with my brother at that time definitely did change from, you know, Hey, this is my older brother to like, Hey, this is my older brother. I'm his protector. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking out for him. And so sometimes it's a little bit overvigilant, you know? Um, but I think that I definitely took on that role in the teenage years. Once I was old enough to understand, you know, kids being cruel or making fun of other kids. And, and that's when I really started protecting kind of all the kids on at our school with, mm-hmm. with special needs, you know, whether it was through the best buddies club or there was a, there was someone on our wrestling team with autism that kind of took under my wing and, you know, just looked out for. And so, yeah, that was definitely a. And that was pretty area. known like within, you know, even the, like the cl- special education classroom, you know, on our campus, like, well, I know Joey, you know, like I'm good. I'll go get Joey, you know? And (laughs) so just like, so Joey was like, he was a protector in that space, um, you know, and still is. And I don't think that, yeah, sure. He may have been a little over vigilant, but it's, I don't think it's something that is not deserved, Mm -hmm. you know, for. And that culture's the culture's changed too now. You know, I think kids now are like so much more aware of, of differences and understanding, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hardly even knew what the word autism was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, schools just don't actually explicitly teach those things. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to teach about differences, um, but they don't have a system of, of doing it effectively yet. Yeah. And you're speaking from the, from the perspective as well as a sibling, you both work in the special ed world. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of things have you seen have progressed as far as, you know, the special ed world and working with kids and the awareness and inclusion? Yeah. Inclusion is a big piece of that. Some of the coolest things that I've seen at the high school level are, you know, when a group, say a mod severe special education classroom, they can push into other classes or at lunchtime, they have a group in a day and a time that they go and, and, and socialize and, um, clubs like Best Buddies. What's the other one at Mount Carmel? Um, Friendship Club. Friendship Club. There's like Circle of Friends at other, you know, other schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spinoffs of Best Buddies, but just those like peer groups. Um, and even even I've seen some schools do like peer relationship, like peer to peer, and they have like that one buddy through the whole their whole high school experience. But mm-hmm. even working because I was primarily in the high school space, but I would love to see more of that in the elementary, like right from the get go, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, I got to do a little bit of that, um, in one of the districts I worked in, in an autism classroom, and it was like fully inclusive with the goal of students being fully included by second grade. And so from kindergarten to second grade, we were spending the majority of the day in the general education classroom, um, and just getting, getting them all connected to each other. And, they loved it. And it was, that was something that was really great that I would love to see more of. Yeah. I don't see it often in elementary. 
elementary mm -hmm. is, is still more separated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it would be a huge benefit to the kids in general education mm -hmm. to be exposed um, to students with moderate to severe disabilities of, of all kinds. Um, there seems to be like a, an understandable kind of desire to protect their learning environment, but at the same time, no environment that we're ever going to be in is going to be perfect. You know, so kids, we need to learn how to deal with uh, a loud environment when you're taking a test, you know, um, that shouldn't be uh, what makes or breaks our, our, our success. And so um, if we can get over some of those little um, hurdles, then I think um, the trade-off would be huge for kids to just understand compassion, empathy for others, have a perspective and, and gratitude for all the gifts that they have and things that they can do. And so I think it's the really a benefit both ways if, if we can find a way in these younger years to really include um, all kids together. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, the next phase in life oftentimes is that transition out of the home into young adulthood. And so Joey, what was that like for you to move out of the home and have your brother still be at home? Any advice in that transition period for families, for parents in particular to help that um, be a smooth transition for their children that are siblings. Yeah, it was, it was a difficult transition for, for Chris. Mm -hmm. I actually postponed that transition a little bit. I decided to go to college locally and Chris was a factor in that decision. I was going to be the last sibling to leave and it was going to be just him and my parents at home. And so I stayed local. We, we were going to a boxing gym and working out regularly. And we still had all these activities that we were doing involved in special Olympics. And at that time, um, Steph and I started dating. And so that was another added element of, uh, of that. And so, and he was quite involved like in our relationship during that time. So he knew, you know, he knew what was coming that we were going to get married and, you know, all of, all of that. Um, but he was a, he was a big part of that. And so like being your best man mm -hmm. and then. Well, and to back up a little bit, um, Chris was actually my wingman um, <laughs> to get, to get Stephanie to, um, to marry me when, when she came home from school, one of our first dates was going to his special Olympics softball. And so it was really telling to me about Stephanie, what I saw in her and how she interacted with my brother and all my brother's friends, how comfortable she was around them and how she just really, how she treated them spoke so much about her character. And that was a, a big reason of, of, of our relationship and kind of off the bat, she got thrown into, Hey, you know, you're with me and, and this is my brother. We're going to be really involved here. Um, so those like those activities and routines definitely helped to have, mm -hmm. to have things to regularly look forward to together. Yeah. And that transition, I think that in that transition, especially of you moving out and Chris staying home, your parents were really great about honoring both of those transitions, that this just wasn't a transition for Chris, but it was also a transition for Joey. And so I think that they did a good job of not like putting it like heavy on Joey of like, Oh, you're leaving. And Chris is going to feel this way or, you know, Oh, Joey's leave, you know, you're moving out. And so Joey's going to feel this way. And so, you know, they did a really good job balancing and honoring those things together and like having talking with Chris about this is coming up and this is what's going to happen. And this is their apartment that they're going to live in. And you can come over here and, you know, and he had sleepover, you know, he stayed with us once we moved out, you know, a few times and he would, come over and we do a movie night or 
you know, whatever. And so just easing that transition. Um, and thankfully we were close, you know, like I can imagine when, when a sibling moves across the country or across the state, you know, and so just going back to that, that routine of that maybe being something to schedule those FaceTime so that sibling has something to look forward to and feel connected. Um, that's just important that, that that connection just stays strong. No, I just love how intentional you guys are. It's, um, and just everything you're doing. I mean, and I think it was modeled from your parents and then you watch it in your guys's life. I mean, to be aware of that, the needs of others, it just shows your selflessness. It's, I think it's definitely more weighty as a sibling, you know, like it's just, it's not a flippant relationship of, Oh, you know, putting only your needs. And that's something I think that is unique to a family that has a sibling or a son or a daughter with special needs. You really are looking outside of yourself more often than not. Um, and so I think that's just something to keep in mind as a sibling, as you're looking for a spouse, you're not for anyone really special needs are not, you know, like this is someone you're bringing into your family and you would hope that you keep your family in mind, you know, when you're like adding someone in. And Joey, it sounded like you really front loaded Stephanie for coming into this relationship. And so I just think that's um, super valuable for siblings to know, like to prepare that person for what you're walking into and that that's expected because this is your family that that they're walking into. So go ahead. I don't know how much of that was intentional other than just, you know, I wasn't not one to shy away from things. And that was, this is just a big area of my life that, um, that I was already a part of. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel like, Hey, I'm, you know, this is, this is, this is a burden to Stephanie or this is something that I, that kind of brings me down or I should be ashamed of, you know, this is, this is a blessing in my life that we're going to, you know, someday share together. I can only imagine for a parent of a child with special needs, just that constant thought of who is going to care for my child when we're gone. And so to have a sibling, you know, it's like Steph said, family, family is family. You know, I think we live in a very hedonistic kind of self-centered culture where your dreams and goals is all that matters. And, you know, you achieve those at all costs. And sometimes your calling's right in front of you and it's, and it's your family or a sibling. And that could be the greatest thing you do in your entire life. Um, and so for us, that was definitely something that we've known at a young age with Chris that someday he'll, um, come and live with us, um, if, if needed. And that's, that's, we're gaining something there with our mm-hmm. children and with, you know, our grandchildren to be able to have him in their life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was something definitely threw Steph right into. And just, that was really telling to me of who she was. Mm-hmm. And it was something that like, you know, we had talked about and it was pretty effortless. It was just kind of known, you know, it was very known Joey and Chris are a package deal and I get both, you You know? Um, yeah. And something, something like early on, it was very, it was very casual conversation that I had with, um, with Joey's mom, but she kind of, we were sitting at the dining room table and it was early on, you know, and she's, she's a mama bear and, you know, (laughs) in the best, in the best sense. Um, and she knows she's very like in tune and connected with, with her kids and knows what's best. Um, and she, she knew, you know, she knew where we were headed. Um, 
towards marriage and, and everything else. And she just said, sweetie, I need you to know that Chris is going to be with Joey. And is that something that's okay with you? You know, and it's, it makes me tearful because it's like, of course, like that's, that's all I want, you know? And so I think that God impressed on me at an early age. I always had this feeling that like I was going and it was so interesting because it wasn't something that was like all around me as a child, but I just felt like I was going to be involved in something like that, you know, with special needs or have my own child with special needs. And so it just like, you know, these like things start clicking throughout your life and just, you know, getting to see that, like, thanks Lord, you know, yeah, I get, we get Chris. Um, and so just how special that is to be able to, you know, feel that, that worry as a, of a mother, you know, looking at the woman who will be like, helping, you know, Chris in those, in those later years. And so, um, yeah, but it's just, it's a blessing. Thanks so much for sharing that because we began this conversation 10 years ago, basically with you Mm -hmm. doing respite for our very own Abby. Mm -hmm. And you know that that is something that is on my heart as a mom and on Eric's heart as a dad is the future plan for our son, Caleb, and for our daughter, Abby, and what that's going to look like. And so as you guys are speaking into this, you're, you're helping us to see what that future could possibly look like. And, you know, prayerfully, of course, we're hoping that it will go that way, but um, Mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful to hear your story, you guys. So, you know, as you guys are about to have another little one, talk about how that's affected your relationship with your brother and him being an uncle and all that that entails. Yeah. Overall, that's been a really positive transition. Mm -hmm. He's over the years, Chris has had different roles. So, you know, he was the oldest brother and he still will say he's always the oldest brother. (laughs) Um, Then he became the best man at our wedding. Then he is now an uncle. And so he's had, you know, these different roles and responsibilities and he's a great, great uncle. He, you know, is so gentle and caring with the kids. Um, he's really helpful. He can, mm-hmm. you know, he can pick up Isaac and, and we trust him to do um, certain things with him. Even when, even when the babies are little. So he has, we have um, Joey's brother and our sister-in-law, they have three kids. So they have two boys older than Isaac and then another little girl. Um, and so he was already, he was already into that uncle role before we had Isaac. Um, but he's super helpful from even when like the babies are in our bellies saying hi in there and, you know, or he's just, he's just excited. He wants, he wants to change diapers. So we're like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, sure. Go for it. Um, you know, he's just loving and caring and wants to be involved in, in all of those things. And so, um, it's been, yeah, it's been a gift to us for him to, you know, to help, to help us raise our kids. Yeah. It's overall been good. And also at the same time, each of these stages has also presented some conflict and challenges Mm -hmm. with him wanting certain things. So, you know, when seeing my brother and I get married, Chris, of course, is thinking, well, I want to get married. You know, I want to have a girlfriend in, 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 these things and and with kids, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there is an element too, where there's like a, a give and take where, you know, he really takes on that role, but then he also, there's an area of him that you can see like, 
hey, he also wants some of these things. And mm-hmm. that's a really difficult balance to navigate for, for parents to know, you know, what to encourage in that and what to protect, you know? And so for Chris, he does have, he does express some of these desires uh, every now and then, but the over the overall um, feel for him is that he's very happy with um, where he's at living with my parents. Um, you know, for example, he'll, he'll say things like, oh, I want my own house, you know? Um, but we haven't really felt that it would be right at, for him at this time to get him into independent living or something like that. I think it's something he could be capable of doing, but I don't know if that would ultimately be best for him um, long-term. So those are, that's just a, a something to balance too, depending on, on who it is. Yeah. With those life stages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's been good. I think um, we mentioned routines earlier and I just want to reiterate routines have been so important for our relationship with Chris and with everyone. Cause it, like I said, as things get busy and with, with kids and everything, it can be really difficult to just have an open-ended like, Oh yeah, we'll see Chris when we happen to be free on a weekend and give a call and go out to a movie or something. Um, those times, those spontaneous times just don't happen anymore. So what we've done is just said every Friday evening, we go out to dinner, you come over to our house and we watch a movie. Um, we're, so we're going to see Bobo one time a week automatically off the bat. Um, you know, my, my parents watch Isaac two mornings during the week. So we're going to see Bobo crossing paths on those times. Mm-hmm. And then the sporadic. And Isaac gets Bobo on those days, mm-hmm. you know, gets that time. And then thing. those spontaneous times are more like on the weekend, we're doing a family dinner or Chris's you know, swinging by the house, this or that, but we do have something set in stone every week that he can look forward to. And that we know by the end of the year, we're going to have done this 50 times. And how difficult would that be to plan that 50 separate Mm -hmm. times as opposed to just having it on your calendar. And so I think that could be really helpful for, especially people when there's distance involved to have that scheduled FaceTime or that scheduled time when you do something fun or send a note or interact in a certain way. So that's, that's been huge for us to, to keep things, um, consistent. I mean, that's great. You know, everything I keep hearing from you, uh, both you guys now, and also your parents, uh, Joey is how intentional everything was, uh, that, uh, you know, you mentioned being mama bear, but just the fact that everything was planned out, thought out, um, and, and intentionally put as you as kids and included and so forth like that. And it kind of leads into this as well. You, you mentioned already talking about taking care of your uh, brother in the future and so forth like that. And um, maybe you could share a little bit on how your parents may have talked to you about um, leading into that time that you may be the caretaker. I mean, obviously she mentioned it to Stephanie as well. And what recommendations or advice you might have to parents in helping their children transition into the eventual role of being caretaker for their sibling. Yeah, that's just so, so difficult with, with each individual situation to know when you should push and when you should pull back. And for me, actually, my mom had that conversation with Steph and I don't know if I've ever even had that conversation because I actually kind of was the one to always just feel that I've always just kind of assumed this is going to happen, you know? Um, my, all my siblings were really close, but Chris and I have always just had a a special relationship where we, we both just have a, enjoy spending time together. Um, and so I've always 
known like, okay, this makes the most sense. This is what's going to happen. And my parents, again, modeled that taking care of grandparents and things like that in our home, that that's just what we do. That's just part of, of how we, um, that's just part of how we care for our family. Um, I think something really practical though, in those spaces, like I, Joey's mom and I talk about Chris's, you know, medical status or, um, you know, once a year he has an evaluation with regional center, you know, and I've, I've gone to, a, you know, a couple of those when I can make it. Um, and so just being involved in those things, um, I know, you know, she has an organized binder of, you know, everything he's, he's going through, you know, if it's health wise or, you know, often down syndrome is associated with, you know, heart stuff. And so we know that, you know, we know his routine for that or, you know, just different, um, different things that come up. And so I think just communicating those things and pressing into that. And even as a parent having, you know, having that stuff organized or, um, accessible to a sibling, if something were to happen, it just gives you a little peace of mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's something that is, um, is important, but also from like a special education professional setting, um, and from that hat, it's something that I've come across with families that I have asked, you know, the, the parents of my students, what are you thinking for them in 10 years, in 15 years? Because even when they are 10 years old, we're going to, we want to work towards that. And so like, yeah, sure. Things change, but I've worked with families that say, Oh, we, we don't think about that. We don't talk about that. And it's like, man, that's, that's a disservice to everyone in your family to not, um, to not go there. Yeah. It may be a hard conversation. It may be difficult, but there's, you know, there's resources that there's these processes that you can go through, you know, talking about your dreams as a family and as that individual talking about your nightmares, you know, what are things that like you really want to avoid or um, what are some things that would just be like, would throw that, that person so off of a routine or off of you know, just having all of those things, um, really clearly like communicated and known, um, through the family, I think is something that is so important and just making, making a map and things change, you know, things can change over time, but, but creating that map of like, Hey, this is, this is what we want for Chris. This is what we want for Abby. You know, how do we, how do we work towards that in the little moments, um, throughout the day? Um, and so, I think that yeah, it may be it may be a hard thing to think about, especially with families with with littles with special needs. You know, like how do we think about when they're forty? You know, think about it, and so just like plan for that and dream for that because there's so much that that these kids are capable of that that we can work towards and support. Um, and so, I like how you said like involve them in some of those oh yeah health decisions or things like that because I. Th- I think that just makes things feel less foreign, mm-hmm. you know, it makes it feel if something were to happen less overwhelming that you're at least yeah. familiar with how some of these processes work. Mm-hmm. So we have one last question for you guys that we love to ask at the end of every podcast. And that's, can you share with us one thing that you would find would encourage families and bring hope for the road ahead? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of things that, that we could say, um, maybe to encourage, but just that this is something that you aren't alone in, you know, there's people that have, but just have walked this road. Um, 
And it's the most worthy adventure that I think someone could be on. Um, it's not, may not be something that you had like planned or dreamed out, but from our experience, it's so much better. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a hard road, but those, those peaks and mountains are like that much more sweet, keeping that in perspective that it's the most worthy work that you'll ever get to be involved in. Um, and just what a gift these kids are and getting to see, you know, I love hearing little stories about the things that Abby says, or, you know, that the things that Chris says that like, you know, brings to the surface, just a different perspective that is the most important perspective. Um, and just keeps us focused on what really matters in life. Um, and then I think just encouragement that comes from prayer and support, um, and just being involved, like knit into a community that you just gain support from and feel loved and cared for in is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's well said. I think there are people to help share that burden, mm -hmm. you know, to share those struggles and, and those highs and lows. It's what you're doing has, has meaning and it's not, it's not without purpose. You know, what you're doing that's seen and that's unseen. Um, it's all, it's all glorifying to God and it's all um, for the best of, the, of your children. And so mm -hmm. um, my encouragement would just be to keep going. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you both so much okay. for coming and sharing today. This has been fabulous and we just so appreciate it. Thank you. So honored to get to this, be in this space with you guys. Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.